to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We are glad that you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce, and Sarah Masoni is out for the day. She's off doing some fun things with her fam, but she will be back next week. We want to thank our sponsor for supporting Masonian Marshall. Thank you for helping to spread the word about small women entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of choice. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. I would like to introduce you to our guest today. Please meet Richa Gupta of the Good Food for Good, natural organic sauces that give back. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so glad that you could be here with me today. And I want our listeners to be able to follow along with your journey and your story. So how can they come find you on Instagram and online? Um, very easy, good food for good, the name of the brand um, on all social channels. And the website is goodfoodforgood.ca. Perfect. You made it easy on us. <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's an it's a long name, but easy name to remember. <laughs> well, I like to kind of start at the beginning. So um let's talk about when you started Good Food for the Good, um, what year that was and what kind of sparked your interest in starting a food biz. Um, I started Good Food for Good in about 2015, I would say. I mean, idea idea started brewing early 2014, but uh, actual work or actual business started in 2015. Um, and it started to solve two problems that I personally was facing. Uh, one, I was a mother of a young kid and um, in a very busy marketing executive career at General Mills. Um, and I just didn't have time to cook food for her that I felt was wholesome and I was meant for my family. I grew up in India, so I grew up eating fresh food every like three meals a day. Mm-hmm. So for me, ordering pizza every other night for my child or takeout every other night um, was just leaving me full of guilt. And anytime I looked for shortcuts in the market, they were loaded with ingredients that I didn't call food. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at work, like I joined, I left fashion and joined food thinking it would be something more meaningful uh, because everyone 
needs food, right? If I could make a difference there, then I would make a difference. Um, but uh, processed food uh, uh, does not do the same. Or that's what I learned when I was working, all this information around how ultra-processed food is really responsible for, you know, pretty much 20% of the deaths today. Like our diets are literally killing us. Um, and that was making it very difficult for me to continue working where I was working. So it was professional and personal challenge. Um, so good food for good felt like the answer to both. I was able to create shortcuts um, that are made with all wholesome organic ingredients, no added sugar, no corn, no soy, no gluten, like the cleanest possible shortcuts that you can find in the market. Um, and every time you buy our products, we also feed a person in need. It's a buy one, feed one model. Uh, we've donated roughly 2 million meals um, to people in need in India, Canada, and USA. Um, and and it just the, the brand solved two of the problems that I was going through um, at that time. I love that because... Um... You know, this the story, of course, is that you ran into something for your own family and you were able to create this thing, but you've also used it to help a lot of other families by donating as you're selling sauce, also donating to local food banks. How do you decide who um what organizations you're gonna donate to and does it stay the same or do you change it? The initial decision was actually the hardest one. So the first organization that we decided to partner with, we were looking at first the bigger organization like World Food Banks, and they do incredible work. Um, but what I saw was because of the work that they do, they have to rely on really highly processed um, meal meals that they provide to people in need. And that just against went against my principle of what I was trying to do. Um, so the first organization is uh, Akshapatra Foundation that we started working with. And their model is all about what I believe in. It's fresh, wholesome meals, and they cook in kitchens which are closer to schools. And they, you know, they supplement schools with these uh, free meals for kids who would not get meals in that day. Mm -hmm. And then that's, well, that was our main organization. And then we wanted to have organization in every country that we sell in. So we uh, started working with Food Banks Canada because we couldn't find a partner in Canada which had similar values as Akshapatra Foundation. And then in US, LA was the first market that we started selling in. Um, and when I visited LA, the poverty there just left me uh, speechless. So I knew I had to I had to do something about it. So we started supporting LA Food Bank, but we are looking at uh, adding more partners this year. And where is your business based? Canada. In Canada, and do you you ship to the United States all over, or just certain places? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, United States all across. So you can find our products in Whole Foods all across U.S. and also some of the other. Um, local chains like Rayleigh's in the West and in East Hannaford, Stop and Shop and uh, different retailers. And a, a lot of our um, you know, listeners are based in the United States, but maybe shipping to Canada. Is there any advice that you can give about shipping internationally or things that you've learned along the way? It was very expensive to ship internationally. So we have our own warehouse in US and another warehouse in Canada. 
um, that's the that's the cheapest way to manage shipping <laughs> yeah. uh, when you're going across the border and you don't have to worry about customs and FDA clearance every time you uh, ship product across. Yeah, well, that's good advice for people that are trying to figure it out because I think sometimes people don't do it that way, and then it is just like every shipment that goes across you have, you have problems with, you know, tariffs come up and things, and sometimes things get held okay. at the borders, and so. And the paperwork is crazy. So we used to do that initially, yeah. every time for every single shipment, like four bottles. The amount of paperwork we were doing was the same amount of paperwork we would do for a truckload. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, um, you're smart to do it that way. <laughs> well, you know what? It took a while. I don't think I would have done it when I just started the company because this, it was not at the scale. Mm-hmm. I think scale does facilitate a lot of things which are very difficult to do when you are very small. Yeah, definitely. And so you're in Whole Foods in the U.S. And are you in all of them across? So if we have listeners anywhere, they can find your sauces there. And are yeah. your sauces are shelf stable? So they can probably find them in the sauce sections on the shelf. Well, let's talk about mm-hmm. um, what kinds of different sauces that you make and sell at the stores. Totally. So our first line that we scaled is a line of ketchups and barbecue sauces that are sweetened with dates. Um, so not just the source of sugar that's different in our ketchup, it also has 75% less sugar than Heinz. Um, so when I discovered that a serving of ketchup has more sugar than a Chips Ahoy cookie, I really, that's where it all started. I really had to do something about it. I didn't know that fact, but I'm not really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and here I was you know, restricting the amount of cookies my kid had, but never stopped her from eating ketchup. Yeah. Because you just don't see, right? Like it's, like I call them hidden sugars. It's something that, you know, you won't think. Yeah. And then if you if you look at barbecue sauces, they were even worse. Like a serving of barbecue sauce has more sugar than a Krispy Kreme donut, mm-hmm. glazed donut. So and how many times we don't, uh, and serving is only two tablespoons. It's not... Yeah. It's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, that um, you know, I was thinking because you were talking about partnering with like food banks and and schools and things like that, and I think that those are places that really would benefit from a product like yours because um, you know, I used to work in social as a social worker for a long time, so we would get a lot of food that was donated to the food bank for our clients, and it is a lot of processed foods, and even in school kitchens as well, it's like yeah. what is easy and kind of cheap to feed a lot of people is a lot of things that are are processed but also ketchup is like everywhere in all of those places because I think children are so used to it um but yeah. then when you're talking about how much sugar is in it it seems like it needs to be your ketchup that's in all of the schools and all <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I I I would say so I think we should wherever we can cut like now there is enough research that tells us what sugar does to our body so wherever we can cut sugar, take it out of our diets and not don't replace it with, you know, an artificial sweetener because they are equally bad. Um, we should we should take those those steps like and I'm not like a complete anti sugar. I think dessert has a place in our lives. Um, so I'm not saying that completely omit any joy that desserts are supposed that desserts give us like if it's there's a dopamine hit that you get whenever you eat sugar and it's it's fine to have chocolate and it's fine to have a piece of cake every now and then. 
where you don't need to consume sugar breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, when it's not even giving you that dopamine hit. Yeah, um, you're be getting something out of it. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, why drink if you're not getting drunk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you make your line of ketchups and um, barbecue sauces. And what else do you make? Then we have a line of organic, plant-based, totally approved, paleo, keto, Indian, and Mexican cooking sauces. So that was the idea of, you know, creating world food. So when I look like I'm, I'm from a different culture and I like variety in my food, right? Like I don't like eating the same food every day. So I like different cultural food. And when I was looking for shortcuts, especially for anything that's from a different culture, there was nothing on the shelves. The only two organic products I found was a pasta sauce and a soy sauce or coconut aminos. Um, and then if you want anything else, you're cooking everything from scratch and who has time to cook everything from scratch every day. Um, so that was the idea behind, uh, a world food line and we did Indian and Mexican. I did find good Thai options, so I'm not creating Thai as of now, but you know, you never know, uh, Thai might change someday. Uh, but those are two of my favorite meals and, uh, flavors. And I wanted to create that flavorful. Um, and then recently we launched a line of plant-based bolognese that's powered by pumpkin seeds. Um, so a lot of plant-based ends up having meat substitutes, which are also tend to be ultra processed. So we took the ultra process out of, uh, plant-based. Um, I actually like to call it plant forward because the idea is how do we eat more different types of plants in our daily, daily life? So pumpkin seeds give it the texture. They also give it the same amount of protein as your meat sauce. Um, tastes great. We just won a Nexty um, at Expo West this year for that product. So all in all, like it's, again, the world's only plant-based bolognese that's powered by pumpkin seeds. And you know what? Seeds are so good for us. I don't know why we have left them only for birds, right? Like yeah, we need to have them in our meals. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And and the um, bolognese sauces, they have them at Whole Foods too, so people can find them there, like probably where possible. So bolognese, not, not yet. Not yet. We're working on getting bolognese because it's a newer product. Yeah. Um, but you can find, like for Texas, it's in Central Market. Oh, um, Vitacost has it. So online, it can be ordered all across U.S. Very cool. Um, we're yeah. going to take a quick break. And when we um, come back, I want to talk um, more about your favorite sauces to eat and what your family enjoys. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we are back, and I want to know what your daughter's favorite sauce is that you make. <laughs> she loves, absolutely loves my spicy taco sauce. Oh, perfect. She's and uh, 14 now, so she makes her after-school nachos with it. That's her favorite thing to make. That's what I was going to ask is if um, your daughter likes to cook um, with you in the kitchen or likes to use your sauces. She does. She does. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so 
I love that part of being a food family is like passing that on to our children. And I think if we make things easy enough, I think our children can learn from us and start doing it young. Um, I did notice that you have a lot of recipes on your website for easy cooking and cooking things in under 30 minutes and all of those things that are important to busy parents. Do you write the recipes that are on your website? Most of them. That's my favorite part. Yeah. They're so great. And if people um, check it out, she has a really easy section to navigate where it's like um, a cookbook and recipe section. So there's all these different things that you can download on there for cooking quick, easy meals. So it's a really nice resource to have. And I know that some people are kind of in the beginning phases of building their websites. And, um, you know, so this is a really nice recipe section to look at and check out. They do a really great job. So make sure to look at that. What's your favorite thing to make on a busy weeknight? Um, just open a can of chickpeas, add uh, tikka masala sauce, cook some rice and, you know, perfect dinner. And if I have spinach at home, then I just add some spinach on top. Yeah. That's that, it. Easy that very easy and very good. <laughs> did, you, did you notice that, um, you know, we always kind of like to talk about the pandemic and how it affected people. And it seems like your product would um, have done well because it, it makes it so that people that don't know how to cook, because there was a lot of people that were at home, um, yeah. didn't have skills to cook. Was it easy for them to kind of connect with your sauces and make easy dinners? Definitely. I think Pandemic had its positives and negatives on any business. So for us, people who knew about our brand, definitely the penetration grew further, right? Because instead of going to a restaurant, now they're cooking at home more often, right? And my products just makes it easy. Um, people also became extremely uh, careful, at least during those years, about their health. Um, so they were trying to eat healthy. However, because we are a newer brand, discovery was very difficult at that point. So if you don't know the brand, then you're not going looking because you just wanted to get in and get out of the store. Yeah, for sure. Or you were, you were ordering online. And if you're ordering online, you don't go and browse. You don't do that, right? You just go and you order. Yeah, you buy what you know. You know, it's not like exactly. it's boring. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. That becomes very challenging. Yeah. But I, I hope people who st started cooking at home continue to cook at home because there is nothing better that you can do for your health than cook your food. Yeah, I agree for sure. And I think that, um, you know, I think that it is a nice time for people to still remember to keep that time. Like, even though we can be back out in the world and, you know, we want to do all the fun stuff. But I think that um, what we sort of learned as a family was that um, it was important for us to make that time to all sit down together and have dinner and check in and do all that stuff. So we've kept that as part of our family. Yeah. Um, you know, nightly routines that we do, but we didn't really have that before. So it is something nice that kind of came out about it. And we do like this little family check-in where we talk about, you know, what we liked about the day and what we um, want for the next day or want for our friends or, you know, whatever it is. And so we've like kept that in place, which I feel like is really special. That is very sweet. That tradition. <laughs> Um, I really, we like to talk about packaging um, because, you know, as we have people that are making new products and um, coming up with their line, your bottles are really lovely and they're unique. And so um, sometimes we like to talk about that if people have made that choice. Was that something that was very important to you to have these special, beautiful bottles? It was one, um, but also 
I think initially when I started, it was in a different bottle. So this is like the third iteration of bottles. Um, and it was, I was looking for something special, but also my bottles that I had, we were going through supply chain issues with that. So I think if I was not going through supply chain issues, I don't know if this is what I would have moved to, but now it's become like a trademark. This is our style of bottles. People recognize that bottle and they know it's good food for good. Yeah. I think that um, is a good, important thing to just mention though, because I think sometimes with new food entrepreneurs, like they have one thing in mind and they want to do it that way. And sometimes you just have to do something for the meantime, you know, and you like move to what you want, or sometimes you pick the perfect thing and it's not doable on your new scale of whatever it is that you have to do. So I just like to have that be part of the conversation that as a business owner and a maker, you kind of have to be a little bit malleable, you know, you, you kind of have to go with the flow and especially in this time where we have a lot of supply chain issues and things that, um, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world if you have to change the color of your cap or or have a different, you know, something different, change to a different bottle. And then I think sometimes it is for the better. I mean, I think the place that you're in now, your bottles are beautiful. Your packaging looks good. It looks like it was always what you intended. <laughs> exactly. See, things have a way of working out. That's one thing that I've learned running this business now for the amount of years that I've learned is if you are facing a challenge, just breathe and sit with it. Solution will come. Yeah. And I, it always comes. <laughs> I think that's really good advice. And sometimes I think we all need it. Even not even business owners, just people in life, because I feel like we always have so many things coming at us and, and because we are used to everything moving so fast, we kind of just go, I have to make a decision right now. What are we going to do? And we're in this like kind of manic phase all the time. And I think if we all just kind of slow down and are like, yeah. I'm going yeah. to think about what I want to do. And you don't have to make these very quick decisions, but I think we kind of get to that point where we think we have to. Exactly. And I think if you ask yourself, what will happen if I don't make this decision right now? Mm-hmm. Or even if you're making the decision and you're struggling, just ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Yeah. Or what's the worst that can happen if I make this decision tomorrow? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We're not saving lives here. I think that's one thing we need to understand. We are not trauma surgeons. Yeah. Yeah. We have some time. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. One one cut here or there is not going to kill anybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Um, what do you think your biggest challenge has been as a business owner so far? That's a tough. There's been so many challenges. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would tell you when I started the business, things seemed much bigger mm-hmm. than what they seem now. I think you just learn a way to manage. Uh, so one of the challenges that was one of my biggest challenges when I started uh, working on this and it took us like that really extended our R&D cycle was. Uh, when I started working with dates, I didn't have suppliers that were um, that had organic dates or organic date paste. Um, so it took me a while to source organic date paste. Then also because when I did these products, um, I did most of the R&D myself in-house uh, because every time I would go to um, to to a college to do R&D, they would tell me to add citric acid or they would tell me to add 
you know, some ingredients that I didn't believe in. Um, and that took longer because then I had to test the product month after month after month to see when, like, what would be the shelf life of this uh, product because I was using a novel ingredient uh, and I wasn't using acidity regulators to control the pH of the product. So, so that just took longer and that was not my strength. I didn't come from a research and development background. Um, I was a marketer and a foodie um, with a dream. Yeah. So I had to just figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of, um, especially small producers run into in the beginning because stuff does change completely. When you go from making something on a very small scale in your home to then, um, especially if you're going to have a co-packer or you go to anybody who's going to help you with recipe development, yeah. a lot of times the first thing that changes is that connection to whole real food because it's easier to get processed products and it's easier to bring pH level down with um, citric acid, whatever it is. It's all yeah. things that, that you don't really think about when you're cooking at home. So yeah. I'm glad that you were able to find a way to stick with your initial mission and journey. Cause I think sometimes that changes for people as they move into bigger um, production. Yeah. yeah. And it took me, it took me a while and I had enough people question uh, my values and my commitment to my values. But uh, I started, this is a value-based business, right? If I don't stick to things that um, inspired me to do this, then, you know, that would just defeat the purpose of my existence. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have stood your ground and stayed connected <laughs> to what you set out to do. Um, what do you think brings you the most joy in your business? Ah, uh, that's very easy. When I see kids enjoy my food. Yeah, that's, a that's, good yeah, that just, you know, as adults, we are always ready to compromise on flavor when we know something is healthy. But when a kid, so we have, we, have, we go to these consumer shows. I love doing consumer shows because par the parents bring their kids or farmer's market. That's how st I started. I did farmer's markets for a couple of years. And then they, they, there's a video I have of this little girl. She loved the ketchup so much. She kept, she took the sampling bowl and then she started licking it. <laughs> Oh, adorable. <laughs> Couldn't get enough. <laughs> no, it was so adorable. I think that's the fun thing about kids too, though, is that they really do show you their real reaction right away. So if she did not like it, that is not what you would have seen. <laughs> no. And I, I think I have a video of this parent who sent me their kid would just dip um chicken finger and ketchup and just lick it and then dip again and lick it and then that's all and then he would do a happy dance after the lick there would be a happy dance <laughs> like, so those, you know that's your body speaking that's not yeah. you saying something because you think it's polite to say mm -hmm. um and that's just that yeah those are the most precious moments for me yeah, those are the things to hang on to for sure, especially if you have like a rough day of decision making. You just have to remember those kids or rewatch those videos you took at the farmer's market. <laughs> I know that someone, someone out there loves my product. <laughs> yeah, it's important to remember that on the hard days. <laughs> and, you know, all the listeners and, you know, we all have, we all have those. 
Yeah, for sure. I um, did notice that you had a line of teas on your website. Is that something that you have always done or is that a new addition to your product line? We started it later and it actually came, the idea came from farmer's market. So when I was doing farmer's market initially, I was the only brown person in the market selling products. And I would have these people come to me and ask me, my naturopath is asking me to take turmeric and it's so bad. How do you take um so it was you know it was really eye-opening right like if it's not native to your culture how how do you take it and it was like it made me think and they were just putting a teaspoon in the water and drinking it or grating fresh turmeric and that would leave everything yellow or their blender became yellow from blending turmeric in their smoothie (laughs) that's how turmeric teas was born um i did some research on ayurveda and i know as a kid as growing up in india my mom if i would have a headache she would rip up a tea for me with some ingredients if i have a stomachache she would rip up another tea for me Mm -hmm. so kitchen cabinet pretty much was our medicine cabinet um, I don't think I took ibuprofen until I moved to North America. I didn't even know. Like, it was never used. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I used, I learned from there. I learned from Ayurveda. And I combined ingredients. So it's not just turmeric. It does, My teas hardly even taste like turmeric. Because in Indian food, you, you, you see turmeric color, but you don't taste it. Um, and I created teas based on, you know, different needs of our body. So there is a dawn for, you know, energizing morning tea, a dusk, which is a calming evening tea. There's a summer tea, which is a cooling mint tea. And then, you know, you need, when you're cold, you need warming. So there is a warming ginger winter tea. It's simple. Perfect. Well, they all sounded lovely. I um, I just noticed them like uh, on your site and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that she did these. So that's so cool. Yeah, that's um, that's like a, you know, a, a, a sidekick, I call it to my to good food for good. Good food for good takes too much attention. The poor turmeric cheese does not get as much uh, attention. So I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> Well, I know we talked about who, um, you know, how you choose the people that you donate to, but I just want to make sure that our listeners um, understand that piece. So maybe just tell them how it works with if people purchase from you, how you donate to other places. Totally. So it's very simple. Um, Every time you purchase a jar of our product, uh, we donate money um, that based on that, what that organization has told us uh, would uh, fund a meal for a person in need. So it varies based on which country the organization is based. So it's different for India, it's different for Canada, it's different for US. So it roughly comes to about two to 3% of our revenue um, is what's uh, donated. Very cool. Well, I love that piece of it. And, you know, it was kind of the whole reason why we started this podcast was so that people were, um, you know, of course, making food that was meaningful to them and giving it to other people. But we really wanted to highlight, um, you know, the good that all these women and all these makers were doing in the community. And so when we heard about you and your business, we really wanted to have you on here and talk about what you're doing because you're providing good not just to your community, but to, you know, the world, you're donating to all of these different places um, with each bottle of sauce that you sell. So we think that's a really wonderful thing. And we're glad that we could have you on here to talk about it with everybody. 
Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I felt hunger should not exist at this point, right? Like we are in 2023. Mm-hmm. I'm just blown away why hunger is still a problem. We make enough food in the world to feed everyone. And there is so much food that's wasted. Yeah. And, you know, and yet there is hunger. So it's like, how is that fair? Right. So whatever we can do on our part to, um, to make a difference there, because it's a basic need. It's a very, very basic need. That it's a need for survival, right? Yeah. And I think that either way, you know, you're, if people are purchasing, um, you know, products from you directly, then they're getting really good food for themselves and their family, but then also they are helping to bring food to people that need it. So I think it's really wonderful. I think the design of your business is great and I love that you are doing it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's why we named it good food for good. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> it really is good. It's so it's so great and inspiring. And I hope that um, you know, other listeners and people forming businesses take you as a role model and realize that um, you know, we can all be doing things to benefit our community while we're creating our our dream businesses, you know? <laughs> Thank you. And it's like seriously, it does not take a lot. It's you just have to treat it like this is an expense, just like any other expense that you do for your business. Yeah, that's perfect. It's a good, it's a good way, especially for those beginning businesses to, you know, use it as a role, as a model to build it into the business from the beginning and it can help. Um, We always like to ask what business owners need from their community right now. What do you need from the people listening? To support and to spread the word. Perfect. And so they can find you on your Instagram. They can find you on your website here in the U.S. They can find you at some Whole Foods and they can they also just order directly online from you if they're in the States. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. From us, from Vitacost, from, of course, Whole Foods on Amazon. Um, so you can find our product in several places across the United States. Perfect. Well, I hope all the listeners out there connect to you and um, keep doing the wonderful things that you're doing. And we will link everybody to you through the site. And thank you for joining me today. Uh, Even on a holiday weekend, you made the time to be with us. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so honored. I'm so honored to be talking to you. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram at Masonian Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.